A man tired from a full day's work and unprepared to make a long drive home from the office without some rest is invited to come and spend the night at the home of three of his good friends. Around two hours later, the man is dead, his body surrounded by evidence of deranged foul play. The three friends have no idea what happened or who could have done such a thing, but investigators soon realize that certain aspects of the crime aren't making sense, and the way in which the man died is disturbing, to say the least. I'm Rob Gavigan, and this is the case of Robert Eric Wan. If you're into true crime, mystery, the unexplained, the paranormal, and all other dark content, be sure to follow my Facebook page now before you forget, because you won't want to miss what's next. But for now... Robert Wan had achieved a lot in a little amount of time. He had a brilliant mind, which was apparent to those who knew him from early on in his life. He graduated valedictorian of his high school and graduated with honors from college and obtained his law degree. It was in college that he met a man named Joseph Price, who was to be one of Robert's closest friends. The two were both involved in student government as well as several other college activities. Price was a bit older than Robert, so he graduated much sooner, but the two remained friends, and would continue to be friends even after college was long behind them both. Among other professional aspirations, Price went on to become one of the founders of Equality Virginia, a statewide LGBT advocacy group, and worked there in the capacity of general counsel, while continuing to work elsewhere as well. Robert went on to work at important positions throughout Washington, D.C., and made connections along the way. He was married to a woman named Catherine in 2003, and in the few subsequent years, he continued to make impressive strides in his career. He was hired as general counsel for Radio Free Asia on June 30, 2006, and even became president-elect of the Asian Pacific American Bar Association. Unfortunately, in a long line of achievements, this was to be his final achievement. August 2nd, 2006, roughly 10.30 p.m., Robert Wan approaches the Swan Street Row House home of Joseph Price, aged 39, located close to Robert's new office at Radio Free Asia. Instead of driving while exhausted to his home in Virginia, Robert is invited to spend the night at Joseph's and plans to leave after some rest. Joseph lives in the house with his domestic partner, Victor Zaborski, aged 44, and a third man named Dylan Ward, aged 40. The three men are openly engaged in a polyamorous relationship with one another. Robert gets a glass of water and chats in the kitchen with Joseph and Dylan for a short time before retiring for the night shortly after 10.30 p.m. At some point between 11 and 11.35 p.m., neighbors of Joseph's hear what they describe as a quote-unquote terrible scream coming from Joseph's residence. Victor Zaborski contacts 911 at 11.47 p.m., quite some time after the scream is heard. You're about to hear the 911 call audio, 
in its entirety and unedited by me. D.C. Emergency 911 operator 6752. Do you need police, fire, or ambulance? What's wrong, ma'am? We had someone that was in our house, evidently, and they stabbed somebody. Okay, somebody's inside the house now? I don't know. We heard... Are they bleeding? You see someone bleeding? Someone is bleeding in our house. Okay, where's they bleeding from? Uh, I think he's... I think in the stomach. Mr. Summer, is he cautious? Uh, Calm down for me. I'm going to send some help, okay? Female or male? It's a male. He's a friend of ours. He was, spent, he was spending the night with us. Okay. And who was the person that stabbed him? Do you know? Is he, is, is he cautious? We need an ambulance. Ma'am, listen no, to me. He's not conscious. He's not conscious at all? No. We need someone right now. Is he breathing? Listen, is he... listen to me. Calm down. I'm going to help you, okay? Is he breathing? I'm upstairs, and he's downstairs. I don't know. Okay, who's downstairs with him? My partner is downstairs with him right now. He told me to go upstairs and call the police immediately. I just went to the stairs and... Okay, who's the person? Okay, I'm sending paramedics and the police. Okay, who's the person that stabbed him? I don't know. We think it's somebody with an intruder in the house. We heard the chime of the door. And it's 15, ma'am, calm down. 1509 Swan Street, Northwest, am I correct? Yes, it is. The person that says, is she still in the home? I don't know. <laughs> we got help in route, okay? Pardon me? We have help in route. Thank you. They're here. They are laying out to you now. I'm saying the police and the paramedics, okay, to assist. Okay, what I need you to do is go downstairs, okay? The place where, wherever he was stabbed at, I need you to get a dry cloth, okay? And just apply pressure to that area. If he was, wherever he was stabbed at on his body, I need you to take a towel downstairs while you're waiting for the paramedics to arrive and just apply pressure. Even if the rag or towel is saturated with blood, just get another towel and put it on top, but never lift the first towel off the area. Hold it on. Once it gets filled up with blood, just put another towel on top of that and just apply pressure until the paramedics arrive. Pressure until the paramedics yes. on the way. Yes. With in the heart. In the heart? Yes. In the center of his chest. Okay. Is he breathing? Is he breathing? You don't know who it was? There's no idea. Don't touch. Don't Okay, is he breathing? He's breathing, but he needs help now. Okay, we have help in route, ma'am, okay? We do have help in route. Okay, just go down there and try to tell your husband or your other um, the other half to just try to keep him calm and talk to him, okay? Oof. Keep him calm and talk to him until someone gets there. Okay. And at the same time, get a dry cloth and just hold it right there in the area. My partner's holding the... Okay, it, holding it on okay and once it gets saturated with blood, tell him get another one. Go get another towel so you can apply it on top of that one once it gets filled up with blood. Okay. We, need, we need you to apply pressure on that area. He is applying pressure right Okay, just hold it there until the paramedics get there. They should be pulling up any moment if they're already en route to your location. You don't know who did this. We have no idea who did this. Is the door open so they can get in? We don't know how they got in. Okay, well, I'm asking you now, is the door open so the paramedics can get in once they get here? What were you saying? Is the door open so they can get in? Is the okay. door open so the so the paramedics can get in the home? I'm going to go down. Is this a private home or apartment? It's, it's a home. It's a home. It's 1509 Swan Street, Northwest. The person had one of our, our knives. 
the person that said to ran out the door with a knife? I, I think uh, Okay, anybody get any type of description of the person that came in the home? I have no idea. We have no description. We heard we heard the chime and and we heard the scream from our friends. Okay. And so we came running downstairs. We ran in. So you both was upstairs and your friend was downstairs. Yes. You heard the door open and then you heard the scream. We didn't I didn't hear the door open until after the scream and then we ran down the stairs and we heard we are we have an alarm and so the chime went off. Okay. Is the ambulance we really need the ambulance? Okay, they in right they, they in right now, ma'am. Go to the door. They should be pulling up any moment, okay? I'm afraid to go downstairs. Okay, the person who's downstairs was the person that was assaulted. No, we're in the we're on the second floor. Okay, so somebody need to go downstairs, open the door for the paramedics. You're not sure if that person's still in the home or not. I have no idea. Okay, we have paramedics in route, okay? What time is it? What time is it at the moment? Yes. 2354. It's 1154, ma'am. 1154. Yes. I mean... I'm still on the line with you. I will stay on the line until somebody gets here, okay? I won't hang up. We need them right now. I'm not hanging up, but we need, we need help now. Okay, they en route, ma'am. They are en route. <sighs> Let me know when you hear the paramedics. Can you look out the window and see if you hear them coming? I'm, I'm looking out the window, and I see nothing. I see nobody. Okay, it seems like forever, but they are en route, ma'am. They're coming. I do. Here they are, here they are. They're there. I'm going downstairs. Okay. I'll stand in line with you till you open the door for a pair of minutes, okay? Help us. We have someone with stab They're on our second floor. <laughs> <laughs> Ma'am. No, it's really an emergency. I mean, he maybe he's sorry. <laughs> Ma'am, it's gonna be okay. <laughs> Once authorities arrived on scene, despite Zaborski's hysterical behavior on the phone, paramedics and police noted that the three men were eerily calm about the events that had transpired that night. They didn't even guide paramedics to Robert Wan's specific location in the house. All three men were also said to appear as though they were freshly showered, their hair was still wet, and they were all wearing bathrobes. But these things pale in comparison to what else wasn't adding up. When paramedics located Robert Wan, he was sitting up. There were large puncture wounds in his chest from having been stabbed. Yet despite the considerable wounds, paramedics immediately noticed the alarming lack of blood found around his body. Not only this, but he had very little blood on his body as well. First responders later stated that it appeared as though the blood had been wiped away. Just like the three men, Robert appeared as if he, too, was freshly showered. Most suspiciously, the circumstances were only possible if he had showered after he was attacked, 
which made no sense given the lethal nature of his wounds. Robert was rushed to the hospital, where he was soon pronounced dead at 12.25 a.m., not even two hours after he'd retired for the night. Investigators were now dealing with a homicide, and they immediately began questioning the three suspiciously relaxed men who had been hosting the victim that night, and things were about to get even stranger. Joseph Price, Victor Zaborski, and Dylan Ward all maintained that an intruder, someone unknown to them, had entered their residence when they weren't aware of it, had killed Robert Wan, and then promptly left the premises. But the scene was telling something of a different story. When Robert Wan was found, his hair was freshly wet with water. A bloodied knife laid on a side table near where he was found. Despite the fact that Robert had clearly been viciously attacked, the bed he was found on was largely undisturbed. Blankets weren't ruffled whatsoever. In fact, they were all neatly folded beneath him. Even Robert himself was in a position that seemed to be more peaceful and staged than what one would assume a victim of similar circumstances to be in. Additionally, there was evidence that Robert had been When taking a more forensic look at the body in an attempt to recreate what had occurred in his final moments before being fatally stabbed, investigators looked for a hallmark sign of struggle, defensive wounds, any cuts or anything that might have indicated that Robert fought for his life, but there was nothing. This, along with the lack of blood present on the scene or his body, indicated as if Robert had willfully given himself up to be murdered and assaulted, barely so much as moving a muscle while it was all happening, and somehow bled a fraction of the amount a person should have given the severity of the attack. Then he took a shower before calmly climbing back into bed and dying. To say that's all unlikely is an understatement, and authorities, along with Robert's friends and loved ones, including his wife, Catherine, seem to agree. Whatever happened that night, it went down much differently than what the three men were claiming. Investigators spent over three weeks turning over the row house property, even going so far as to remove flooring and pieces of the wall. They were able to ascertain that the crime scene had clearly been tampered with. First responders had stated that Robert's body appeared to have been wiped clean. The bloodied knife beside him on the end table was from the kitchen. However, forensics determined that an identical knife taken from the same knife block, which was found in Dylan Ward's room, matched up best with the wounds Robert had sustained. It's believed the knife at the crime scene had been taken from the kitchen and smeared with blood before being carefully placed beside Robert's body. Cadaver dogs were sent into the residence and managed to get a hit on two places in particular containing blood residue, the drain on the property's back patio and the lint trap in the dryer. This led detectives to reasonably believe that at least one person in that house had gotten quite a bit of blood on them and washed themselves off on the back patio with their clothes still on. They then threw them into the dryer. But blood isn't exactly the easiest thing to get out of fabric, and the lint trap managed to potentially catch traces of Robert's blood. This whole scenario would also explain why the three men were all wearing bathrobes and had wet hair when police arrived. 
Shockingly, the detectives never followed up on the lint trap or the drain, and any precious little evidence wasted away with time. In regards to Price, Zaborski, and Ward potentially having a hand in tampering with the crime scene, authorities eventually released a statement saying there was overwhelming evidence, far in excess of probable cause, that the three men had, quote, obstructed justice by altering and orchestrating the crime scene, planting evidence, delaying the reporting of the murder to authorities, and lying to the police about the true circumstances of the murder. But when we look at more of the details, things become even more strange and disturbing. Within the Swan Street Row House, copious amounts of shock toys were found. A large amount of them were aimed towards restraining and inflicting discomfort or pain. One toy in particular became a focus during the investigation, the Eros Tech ET-302R, a device that uses electricity to stimulate and cause ejaculation, and can be controlled by a second person from a range of distances. Shaman was also found on Robert's body. When DNA tests came back, it was determined to have been his own. The autopsy revealed, due to burst blood vessels in both of his eyes, Robert had also likely been suffocated. Aside from this, small puncture wounds were found in Robert's body, believed to have been made by a needle. These marks were found on his neck, chest, hand, and foot, and all were inflicted before death. A common belief is that Robert had been drugged somehow, but the toxicology came back with nothing. However, standard toxicology tests don't test for every possibility, and it's possible that Robert was injected with a paralytic agent that simply wasn't tested for. It's also possible that the drug of choice was something that may not have been detectable in a blood test even shortly after death. One such drug is ketamine. Ketamine is out of the blood in around a day, and side effects can cause total immobility. Needless to say, given all of these circumstances, the home intruder story wasn't believable to just about anyone. At the end of 2008, charges were filed against the three men for obstruction of justice and conspiracy. The three men were all released to await trial, but were required to remain under electronic monitoring and adhere to curfews. They also stood accused of tampering with evidence. Despite the overwhelming suspicion revolving around each of the men, due in part to failures by investigators to follow up on potential evidence, such as the back patio drain and the dryer lint trap, on June 29, 2010, all three men were found not guilty of their charges of obstruction of justice, conspiracy, and tampering with evidence, and were released. The judge, Lynn Leibovitz, who currently serves as an associate judge on the Superior Court of the District of Columbia, explained for over an hour after making her decision that she believed that Price, Zaborski, and Ward knew who had killed Robert Wan but that she wasn't convinced that they were guilty of the charges they were accused of. In 2008, a wrongful death suit had been filed by Robert Wan's widow, Catherine, against the three men. The suit was settled on August 3, 2011, 
for an undisclosed sum and with no publicly available details of the agreement. Price, Zaborski, and Ward live and walk as free men to this day. Relatively recent sources claim that Joseph Price changed his name after Robert's mobile to Joseph Anderson and currently practices law privately in Florida. Price, Zaborski, and Ward all found their way to Florida and have lived together there as well at different times. To this day, there have been no answers and no closure for the friends and loved ones of Robert Wong, and as far as many who know the case are concerned, the three men who claimed to be his friends in a moment of need avoided paying for the horrific moral of a brilliant young man with what should have been a bright future. Thank you for watching. Please be sure to follow my Facebook page now because you won't want to miss what I've got next. And leave a comment and a reaction on my video as this also helps my page to grow and reach more people so that these important stories can be heard. And I'll see you next time. You've reached Victor Zaborski at MilkPep. I'm sorry I'm not here to take your call at the moment, but if you'll leave me a brief message, I'll get back to you just as quickly as possible. Thank you. Thanks to all of you for your support. The Seriously Strange podcast is made possible due in part to contributions made by our listeners like you. So if you would like to keep the Seriously Strange podcast online and accessible, please consider pressing the link that says support the show in the description of any podcast episode. You can then choose your preferred way to donate and send a contribution our way because we can't do this without our listeners' support. If you decide to contribute... It's tremendously appreciated, and we thank you so much. We read every single message included with each contribution, so feel free to include your comments or even make a request for a future topic. Thanks for listening. We've got a lot more in store for you. Take care and enjoy your next episode.